APU. American Public University is proud to present Exploring STEM. Today, my guest is Dr. Lorenza Cooper, who is a speaker and executive leader and results oriented professor with years of experience in atmospheric science. Today, we're going to speak about the atmosphere, about climate, and its implications on the world around us. So, Dr. Cooper, welcome to the podcast, and thank you for joining me. Thank you for having me. I am truly honored to be here with you this afternoon. Thank you. The honor is all mine, all mine. So let's get started. There are so many critical conversations happening today that address issues of climate change and atmospheric science. So can you start this conversation by telling us a little bit about yourself and why this topic is so dear to your heart? Yes. So at my core is a driving passion for meteorology. And weather. And I find that over the years and my talking with other meteorologists is that we can always think back in time to this pinnacle moment where there was some weather event that just sort of triggered this inspiration into the science. And for me, that triggering event was back when I was very young and I was in the path of Hurricane Hugo. And from there, my passion only grew in terms of just running to the window whenever there is a gust of wind or following the weather channel or any storm. And from that point forward, I knew I wanted to do something with weather, but I had no idea that weather was something that you could actually study. Back in that time, many of your local broadcast meteorologists, they were simply television anchors and not necessarily meteorologists at heart. So my goal was to sort of try to get into a field that was somewhat similar so that I could keep that passion into the study of science, of meteorology, and the science of climate change. And so over the years, I've had the opportunity to go storm chasing and even have fellowships with the National Ocean and Atmospheric Administration, um, with NASA. And so finally now I'm here with APUS, And it's really given me the opportunity to work with students, even students that are uh, younger than college age, students here at the university. I'm able to work with them and inspire those who, like me, did not know that you can even go into such a field. I like what you said. It started with curiosity and you were able to take your curiosity and make it a passion and even a career. So I think our listeners can really relate to that. So when we're talking about a career in meteorology, how has it impacted you both personally and professionally? Okay. So as far as professionally, it has allowed me to be involved within the research and looking into advancing the science. One thing about meteorology is that it's an ever-changing field. It's a field in which we do not know everything. And we're really just starting to turn the cusp of our abilities to know what the atmosphere is doing. And so it's really allowed me to take the vantage point with, well, how can I advance the science? What can I do? What role can I play? Sort of make that advancement. And then uh, personally, it just fulfills all of my passions with storms and weather and 
sharing that passion with my kids. You know, they have come to the realization that whenever there's a storm, they know daddy's going from one window to another window or I'm videotaping something. If there's a hell storm, which we've been, I will say, luckily, um, been able to experience here. I'm the first one to go outside following the storm, collecting hailstones, saving them in the freezer. So it's given me that experience to um, share my passion personally with, with my kids. I think that's great. My undergraduate and graduate degrees are also in meteorology, so I can totally relate to what you're saying about going from window to window whenever there's some type of, you know, atmospheric phenomena happening outside. <laughs> so let's talk about the world that we live in right now. How do you separate prevailing thought from science and data when it comes to atmospheric science? Because right now there are so many different vantage points and different opinions when it comes to atmospheric science and climate change. So that is one of the many, many challenges when it comes to our field. So earlier I mentioned it's a field where we're continually learning. And I think right now in this day and age, we're sort of bred to want instantaneous knowledge. We want to know how to react. We want to know the answer of how everything works. And unfortunately, we're just not there yet with meteorology, or fortunately, or I wouldn't have a job. But, you know, we're not there at that point. So I find that in conversations with people, as well as dialogue in class, the best approach is to first just sort of remove the data and science, which can be really hard because meteorology is all about data. And we look at the historical aspect of that data and how it changes. But at first, you may have to remove that from the conversation. And instead, what you do is sort of try to appeal to the values or the concerns of whomever the audience is. If it's a student in your class or if it's someone that you're speaking to, you know, just get a feel of their perspective. So... You know, well, how did that storm impact you? Did you lose power here? Did you have damage from this? Or was someone adversely affected, your parents or a family member or relative or a neighbor? Just as a way to begin that conversation, going into it in terms of an open dialogue instead of more of as a debate, I find is most helpful. And generally, you never know where that may take you or the individual that you're, you're talking with. Inevitably, they could want to begin to incorporate that data and begin to incorporate that science. But I find that at first, bring it down to a level where we all relate because we all experience weather in some form or fashion daily. We interact with it daily. So getting it down to that level so that people can start to look at, well, how is this impacting me versus showing this data of something that's happening hundreds or thousands of miles away may not be the best approach at first. But then from there, the discussion definitely may be able to grow. So that's one thing I, t I aim to do, especially in my courses. Yeah. And I'm glad you mentioned that, that APIS is starting to expand its meteorology program at not only the undergraduate level, but even the graduate level. So let's talk about this from the student perspective. We have over 82,000 students at American Public University. So for those students who maybe are not majoring in the sciences, like for example, the School of Business, how can you help them understand how weather relates to their particular discipline? So one of the first things that you can do is sort of just inform people that meteorology and weather is more than just your local broadcast meteorology, right? So we all have that attachment 
and our love for the person that we go to to tell us, oh, what are we supposed to wear today? Or when I need to take shelter from this or when I need to go to the store to purchase this. But meteorology is much more than that. It's much more interdisciplinary. It's much grander than just watching it on television. So that's the first thing. And I'm glad you brought up business because there is a significant relationship between meteorology and business. Most obviously, in terms of like agriculture, that plays a huge role. So weather events such as hailstorms or ice storms or droughts, extreme temperatures, floods, all of these have huge implications on when you can plant, how you can sustain your crop, how you can harvest your crop, when do you harvest your crop, or how much harvest you have. In other regards, you have transportation and airlines. I think we generally think of those, especially airlines are directly impacted when you have severe storms or even these very large mid-latitude cyclones that we often get through the latter half of fall into winter and spring, where we have these huge snowstorms or blizzards and things that may impact individuals. And then also coming off the cusp of this hurricane season, all of these events impacts business in some form or fashion. And one thing um, that students, especially business students, may not realize is that there are many, many companies that are very much invested in private weather forecasting so that they can develop models to determine, well, how is this predicted weather going to impact me specifically? So instead of looking at how the weather may impact a whole region or what will it do to commuters or local schools, but how would it impact my particular business? If it's a construction business or if it's a transportation business or a real estate business, how would it impact me? So we have lots of companies all around the nation and internationally that hire meteorologists to look at that very perspective and how it impacts business. Wow, that's great. I'm glad that you showed how many connections there are with atmospheric science, whether relates to business, whether relates to our economy, whether it relates to disaster preparedness, whether relates to health. We're seeing that in the news almost on a daily basis. And then, like you said, weather affects transportation, not just in the air, but on, on land as well. So thank you for breaking that down. So also in the news, there have been discussions about creating a space force or another branch of government specifically for this topic. So how do you think weather will impact this emerging field of the space force or even space weather? So first of all, weather in the atmosphere is what's separating us at the surface from space. So one of the goals of the space force is to have a presence within space. And to get there, you're going to have to travel through that atmosphere. And it could be as simple as being able to forecast the weather conditions so that you can launch whatever rockets you're planning to launch. My wife, for example, she loves the idea of space. She wants to take a trip to Mars. One day, my daughter, she wants to be an astronaut. So she's just seven. So that's just her current plan for now. But we try to nurture that. And in doing that, we go see different launches when we can here in Virginia, the Wallops Island. And... One of the trickiest things is that weather forecast for that short period of time. Are we going to take? 
I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. The trip, the lengthy trip to get to a venue so that we can watch this spectacular event, knowing that there is this very, very small window in which you can launch your rocket and the weather can have an extreme impact on that. The presence of clouds or the presence of ice particles, the wind directions can change suddenly over the matter of minutes. And that could totally scrap your entire plan to launch your rocket. So that's one instance in which the Space Force will have to rely heavily on meteorology. One way in which we're already seeing this relationship between the two is that the Space Force inherited a civilian satellite. So the GOES-13 satellite that was previously operated by NOAA, the Space Force, they inherited that satellite so that they could look at gaps over um, the Indian Ocean and having a good idea of weather patterns there. And so we're starting to see how this relationship between the two are only going to thrive from this point forward. You raised a really good point because satellite meteorology is an emerging field. And my understanding is that Every time we launch a satellite, the technology is so much more advanced that not only does it help with weather prediction, but it can help with so many other aspects of our atmosphere and just understanding the various layers. So thank you for highlighting that. So you're currently the course creator for several atmospheric sciences courses at American Public University. So could you tell us a little more about these courses? Yes. So we do have several We have two introductory courses. One includes a lab component, one that does not. But one thing I find that students really enjoy when it comes to the lab component is that this particular course that allows you to work interactively with real meteorological data. So that's one of the great aspects. But both of these courses, they cast a wide net, looking at things like hurricanes and tornadoes and floods and droughts, just so that students can get an idea of how far reaching the weather is. In doing that, they also get an idea of, well, how is weather impacting me? So that's one thing we are able to do in discussions. We take time to say, well, what's happening where I am or what's happening somewhere else? And how is this all interrelated? So it works very well at a university, especially like ours at APUS, where we have people stationed and positioned all over. And so you really get an idea of how, well, this one weather event may have some impact here, and maybe this is influencing something somewhere else. So you're able to draw those connections. We also have a 200-level course, our weather and climate course. And with that course, we look at things such as cloud physics and the atmospheric thermodynamics. It's a course where students are generally in environmental science or like natural science or earth science, but it is not exclusively for those students. But what that course does, it allows you to now begin to draw relationships between meteorology and your particular major. And so one thing that we do have in that course is 
a course project that we have at the end of the eight weeks that allows you to draw that relationship. And I find that many students are able to use that as a foundational for maybe like a, an independent study or for like their senior projects within their major. Finally, we do have an upper level course, which is our 300 level course in ocean and atmospheric dynamics. And in that particular course, we look at global circulation. And so the movement and how low pressure systems and storms and cyclones, how they move gradually around the world. So those are our courses. Thank you so much, Dr. Cooper. And we will be back after this very important message. At American Public University, we believe that higher education can unlock higher purpose. So we offer 200 modern programs for those who want to make a difference. And we believe education must adapt to students' needs. That's why we've made it accessible through online classes and flexible with monthly program starts. American Public University, within reach, without limits. Learn more at AmericanPublicU.com. Welcome back. Today, we are speaking to Dr. Lorenza Cooper, on careers in meteorology and atmospheric science. I like how you mentioned that a lot of these courses have multi-functions. So can you talk a little bit more about the space weather aspect of some of the science courses at American Public University? So we do have one upper level space weather course. And what that course allows you to do is you look at things such as these solar storms and solar flares that can potentially impact the space force or impact even us here on the surface of the earth as it can inhibit our ability to communicate through like cellular service, landline, also GPS. All of these services are very, very vulnerable. And even to some extent, our entire power grid is vulnerable if there was a significant solar storm event. Okay, yeah, I I can definitely relate to that. Like wind energy and solar energy, all of that could greatly be affected by what's happening, not only in our atmosphere, but in space as well. So who should enroll in these courses? Are they for anyone or just for someone pursuing a degree in the sciences? So our introductory course, Introductions in Meteorology, is open to all students. It will actually fulfill one of your general education science requirements. So if you find that you are in need to fulfill that requirement, this may be a perfect course for you to take. And once again, we have the option where you can take the lab component or you can choose to not take the lab component for either of those. But it's really open to all students. Weather and Climate, which is our 200-level course, and our Atmospheric Dynamics course, which is our 300-level course, are also open to any students. We tend to see that we have a lot of students focused in things like earth science or um, emergency management. But if you have an interest at all in meteorology or if you're open to learning more about meteorology, I would really recommend that you enroll in our introductory course and progress as far as you desire. Because one thing I want to mention about our courses is that none of them are stagnant or in a bubble. And as we see that we have students from different disciplines that may be interested, like we talked about business earlier or whichever major, we are definitely willing to incorporate things that would be important for your field into our class. And that that's one thing that is very important for one, but that's one of the things that's very easy for us to do in meteorology. So it's, it's really open to all students. 
Okay, that's good to know. And you mentioned this earlier, but you said not only can you take courses in meteorology, but if you take a certain number of courses, that could build toward a certificate. So how can a certificate benefit someone in a related scientific field? So one thing that we are hoping to create in the future is this undergraduate certificate in meteorology. And what that will allow you to do is to have a greater knowledge base to incorporate meteorology into whatever field that you are currently enrolled. So it's not something where you have to just completely abandon whatever that your major area of study is. We will work to incorporate this. One thing I would say is that the idea for the certificate actually came from a student. So a student that was actually pursuing to become a certified consultant meteorologist. So these are actually meteorologists that do work for businesses and do work for companies and do forecasting for these specific countries and their business interests. And that student was an outside student from Earth Science, and we were actually able for, for this particular student to incorporate an independent study. But in essence, what our certificate program will do is allow students to tag this on to whatever areas they're looking at or whatever areas they're studying. So as mentioned, Earth Science, Emergency Management, we have Fire Science. That's another area that we have lots of students engaged, businesses, we even have health. It's just a wide variety of students that could benefit, I believe, from meteorology certificate. I think you said it best that a wide variety of students could benefit from this. And you've just mentioned a few of the ways, energy, economics. We even talked about climate, oceanography, modeling. The possibilities are really endless. So I really want to encourage our listeners to consider some of the various meteorology courses that we have at American Public University. So Dr. Cooper, as we begin to wrap up, what are some resources that you have used or provided in the past to help individuals become more aware of the atmospheric sciences? So different sources that I use, and these are actually ones that I actually inspire my, my students to use as well, are all generally under the umbrella of the National Weather Service. There's lots of different subsidiary websites like the Storm Prediction Center, or there's the Climate Data Center. There's the National Center for Environmental Protection, the National Severe Storms Laboratory. So really, it's whatever your interest is. And that's one thing. Meteorology is so wide. And it's whatever part of the science that you're interested, there's bound to be some information out there for you. And if you just aren't sure where you are, you should pursue links that I'm sure you are already aware of. For me, for example, different social media. So now that everyone has a phone, everyone has a camera, they're constantly taking pictures and videoing different weather events, among other things. And so you have the opportunity to virtually experience some of the same meteorological phenomena that you may not know that you have an interest in. And from there, things could grow. I find myself just last week, for example, when we have student presentations and a student did a great presentation on the very large derecho that was in Iowa this past spring. And in the midst of grading, I find 30 minutes later, I'm just surfing YouTube, looking at as many videos of derechos and storm damage and wind events. So I recommend those platforms as well, because you never know what information or what videos that you may experience. And that may pique some type of interest. 
That's a great point. And I think we're going to leave it there. So thank you for sharing your expertise and your perspective on atmospheric science. And thank you today for joining me for this podcast. Thank you. I appreciate being here and just being on this platform to talk about the science and the discipline that I truly love. Yes, it's an awesome topic. It's an awesome topic. And yes, I'm biased. (laughs) All right. So thank you to our listeners as well for joining us. As a reminder, you can learn more about these topics and more by signing up for American Public University's newsletter. So until our next podcast, be well and be safe. For more information about our university, visit us at studyatapu.com. APU American Public University